Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The beer is cold and the wings are hot. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Vitaglia on the Sports Leader. 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester. Joe Yurden, the Bleacher Report. Always good with this time to join us in the sports bar. Talk some Rochester Americans and more with Joe. Boy, a uh, big win last night. The Amherst uh, looked like uh, a different team. Although, Joe, I think it's fair to say that, that Hershey has looked like the better squad throughout the course of the series. What was different about last night's win in Hershey? Well, I think what was different last night was we saw a little bit more dedication to locking it down um, and not doing it, doing so in a way where uh, they were getting pounded with shots. Uh, we, we've seen them try to lock down some games already in these in these playoffs, where you know where you you can see it coming right away. Where they're like, okay, they're trying to d up a little bit, they're trying to do this, and uh oh, they're giving up you know five shots every every thirty seconds. This isn't very good. And it wasn't the case last night. They really they really buckled it down. They prevented a lot of shots from even happening, and they 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 locked they locked it in. They did very well, and of course, you know, Malcolm Subban, you make his job easier, he's going to make your life easier, so uh, it was a very solid effort all around, and you know what? They came through, they got those they got those big goals and big moments, and you know what? They didn't, they didn't falter. I mean, giving up that goal that makes it 2-1, to one, the power play goal, where could have been a backbreaker. We've seen them be backbreakers before in, you know, in these playoffs and in playoffs in the past, but uh, they came right back and got it. They got it, you know, maybe fairly so. Got a power play of their own, not very much longer after that, and made made Hershey pay for it. So, uh, really solid effort, I thought. And you know what made uh, made Hunter Shepard look a little bit more human last night? I thought. Yeah, um, Joe. If we can go back to Game Four, because if the Emmerichs don't prevail, that's going to be the game we point to. You're you're ahead. It's the mm-hmm. third period, and look, Rochester got away with it in the Syracuse series, where they're up four one, and all of a sudden it ends up in overtime. You you prevail in overtime, but what happened there? And the best way you could describe here was it just a matter of a team with a lot of young players that was feeling the nerves, or was it something else? How would you describe what happened uh, in Game Four? Yeah, you know. Seth Appert used the word that I remember him using after game five against Syracuse, the game five OT win, where he said we were a little bit immature. And that, that was something that really stuck out to me after game five or because it did. It looked like a team that was young, that was in a position where it's like, oh, boy, we can't lose this game. This is it. You know, we we, we got to win this game. There's no we have no choice. 
Um, and, you know, they, they were able to, you know, the game got to overtime that night and they were able to win it in overtime. The, the Hershey game was a little bit more of what happens, like the actual punishment of what happens when you play with some immaturity and you try to, you know, just try to uh, lock it down without really pushing back as much or at all. Uh, and, you know, Hershey made him pay for it. You know, they, you know, they rattle off, you know, you rattle off all those goals in the last 10 minutes of the game. Like that's, that's what happens. That's what, that's what happens in those situations. And I think that was, I think that was a pretty fair, pretty fair take. And I think that's the, the real way to look at it because yeah, they're young, they're young. And what's the, you know, I, I, I have to believe that when you're young, what's the, what's the way coaches want you to lock down games They're like, whatever, get in front of the pucks. You know, don't take too, don't take any chances the other way. Just just try to make sure we can hold this thing down. And problem with doing that in the pro game at any level in the pro game uh, is that there are professionals on the other side, and professionals make you pay for for making you know immature mistakes. And that's what Hershey did. And that's the kind of thing that you know it, it, it it's hard to learn that. And granted, Hershey plays you know that that kind of style where you know if they've got a lead late, they're they're more than capable of doing it. But that's like a that's done out of um, persistence to their own system and, you know, how they, you know, how they, how they manage the game, you know, for 60 minutes as opposed to uh, an, Oh crap, we got a, we got a goal lead to hold on to type of situation. Joe, uh, we, we got to see the professional debut of Matt Savoy earlier in the series, uh, scratch the last two games. I'm curious mm-hmm. as to what you know or what, what we know of Savoy, his availability the rest of the series. I mean, is this a situation where we maybe see him back in if there's, God forbid, an injury? Do you think that this is, again, part of his development? Did you see anything in his game? I saw a specific play in uh, game three where it just looked like Savoy wasn't quite in sync yet. I mean, is this something mm-hmm. where we maybe rushed him along a little bit too quick. What, what are your thoughts on the number nine overall pick from last year's draft? Well, I imagine he's, I imagine he's available. Uh, I, I can't imagine they're, they're keeping him out, keeping him out of action. He's, I mean, competing for ice time, the whole, you know, the whole thing, all the buzzwords we hear. Um, I, I think it's very tough to put a guy who's, you know, fresh in from his junior team into a situation where, you know, his team is clicking, you know, the Amherst were clicking. Everything was going well. Uh, you know, the guys that have been there all season have, have gotten them to gotten them to this point. Uh, and yes, his talent should mean that you should be able to plug him in and he can, you know, score a ton of goals and, and all that, but it's, it's a different system. It's a, you know, it's new teammates. It's, you're not on the same page with anybody yet. Like that's, it's really difficult to put, put anybody, Never mind. You know, I mean, yes, he's, he's an elite, he's going to be an elite talent. He's going to be a great player should be quote unquote easy for him to do it. But uh, there's a lot to be said for playing 80 games with, you know, with these guys together for, for the entire season. You know, there's a lot to be said for that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big ask because, you know, because those guys do have that chemistry and these guys do take care of each other. I mean, it's a very tight room, tight group, even with the new guys, you know, the, you know, they're looking out for them, but you know, these guys also want to play too. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't – I can't see him getting back into it. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Things could get weird and maybe, you know, maybe there's a hunch to play and then you say, you know what, I think, I think the kid's got it today. He's shown me something, you know, in some of these practices. Let's see what he's got. But uh, I, I find it I, – I would find it hard to believe that he's going to – that he might get back into a game barring injury the rest of this series. 
I don't know, if they get past this this round, then I, I think the I think the pressure to keep the group uh, that got you to the next round together would be there. But um, but I, I I'm not holding any of this this play against them. He's a new guy. He's brand new, and you know even the new guys that are on this team right now that are playing great took them what two months, two three months to really hit their strides and really become you know the the, the key players that the Amherst have in this lineup. Yeah, uh, Joe Yurden, our uh, guest here at Bleacher Report. Amherst back home tomorrow night for Game 6. Another topic that uh, has come up today, the officiating. Now, uh, Game 3, a lot of people kind of you know, kind of questioning it. And, and Joe, just so you know, our position here is, look, don't complain about officiating. That's normally what it doesn't Don't blame officiating on the outcome of a game. You can complain but, about officiating. Yeah, but on the other hand, last night, like, what are they looking at when they decide that hit that McElrath had up high where the helmet goes up practically over the glass here, Joe? you got to be better than that. Yeah, it's uh, – uh, listen, I, I, I love to tell – fans that only watch the NHL that think they're watching some of the worst officiating they've ever seen in their life. I say, watch any level outside of the NHL. This is, I'm not knocking the AHL guys because the AHL guys are going to, you know, a good number of them are going to be NHL guys down the road. Uh, But watch AHL, watch ECHL, watch college hockey, watch, you know, any, any of these levels where, these officials are, are professionals. I want to make that very clear. Professionals. Some, somebody who's 15 years old working, you know, work at a peewee game. Leave them alone. Just don't talk to them. Just you know, everybody's figuring out their job. But uh, but I, I don't know. I, I I really wonder what what the thought process is on a lot of this. Um, I know big guys. Some big guys get a lot of leeway. Others do not. Uh, Dylan McElrath seems to get a lot of leeway because he's bigger than literally everybody else on the ice. So, oh, he's a big guy, guy, you know, big guys, you know, they make a hit. Everybody's got to look is got to, you know, got to look like they got hurt on it. Well, yeah, probably, but probably is probably a good chance they did get hurt, but like I mean if the elbows are up, you know, if there's head contact, any of that stuff, you got to call it. You have to call it. And I mean, you know, if it's a hit from behind, you know, any of this stuff. I mean, we've seen we've seen te- guys on both teams you know, getting away with some absolutely wicked hits. You know, I know every time McElrath hits somebody, you can hear it, you hear it through the entire arena. Um, but I'm thinking back to, I think it was, was it game three, it was either game three or game four where Barkowski, I think, cross-checked somebody right in the corner in the back and put him into the boards. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, that's going to be a penalty, right? Nope, keep going. All right, well, we're, we're going to keep playing here. But um, it's 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 tricky and a, a lot of it is game management type of stuff where it's like, well, if we give one guy one, we got to give the other guy one. We got to even it out. That stuff drives me crazy. But when you've got game management stuff at a lower, at a level below the NHL, things get a lot sketchier. You know, the, the stuff that's forgiven is a lot, is a lot crazier. The stuff that's called is a lot that makes less sense. It's tough, but it, it goes both ways. Now it's pretty clear Seth wants to see things called a little bit more heavily on Hershey because they are throwing more hits. They are being more physical. I know he's not happy. I can, you can tell he's not. I mean, he, he's avoiding saying anything outright that he doesn't like it, but pretty clear he would like to see some more penalties called. But, um, you know, it's it, – listen, everybody, everybody's got some gripes this time of year. You can't, can't blame officiating for losing a game, but at the same point – can understand why you lose a game because of officiating. Joe, did uh, did the Amherst figure out Hunter Shepard? I mean, it feels like the goals that they've gotten past him and, and when they've had success, 
they're these odd angled, you know, I don't want to say they're catching them napping, but they just, they don't look like your, your traditional quote. They, they look a little bit odd and it's almost like he's just slightly out of place and, and good things happen when, when you know, it's cliche, good things happen when you get pucks yeah. to the net. But um, did they figure anything out with him? Cause he's been is close to dominant through this series with the exception of game one and, la- and last night. I, I, I think the key for, for beating any goalies to do things unexpected because, you know, goalies, you know, they, they have their rhythms, you know, they, they, they have their ways to get set. They have their ways to, you know, to prepare for shots. If the shots are coming from odd angles and I don't mean necessarily like taking them from below the goal line or anything like that, but, you know, I look at Kulik's goal last night where that just kind of snuck up, you know, he's carrying it in. You're like, like okay, what's it going to, Oh, you shot. Oh, it's gone. It, it's, it's in, you know, it's, it, I think it's things like that where it's an unexpected, you know, shooting angle or position or, you know, maybe he's got a couple of guys in front of him. He, he lets it rip and it gets between both legs or, you know, shoots it between them. And then suddenly it's on him. Then, you know, things get a little bit scrambly. I, 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 that to me is, is a good way. If you're not, you know, crashing the net and, you know, causing a ruckus down low, I, I think that's a good way to, to maybe keep a, a goalie off his rhythm. Because, you know, you think about it, you know, guys come across the blue line, the goalie's going to get square and set. He's, he's tracking the puck. He's tracking the play. If he's, tra- if he's in the midst of tracking it and you've already shot it, and then he's like, oh, crap, you know, he's dropping a leg or, you know, a hole opens up somewhere or maybe he's just not ready, period. You know, things can happen. And I, I, to me, that's, that's an important part of trying to get a guy who's been so good, uh, who's, who's able to track things so well and be right there on the spot is to just do things a little bit different, do things a little bit outside, not outside the norm, but just outside of expectations where you can, you can watch a flow of a play and understand like when a shot's going to come. I mean, you think about every time you watch the game, you see, oh, well, here comes a shot. Okay, there it is. Uh, I've seen it a few times with Kulik where he's just sometimes he's just, he's just snapping one off right before you, you think anybody's going to be shooting it, and everybody's surprised. We're surprised, the players are surprised, and most of all, the goalie's surprised. So I that to me is important when dealing with a guy who's behind such a disciplined system that you can, you can basically tell when the shots are going to happen. If he, if he doesn't know when they're coming, then, then you're going to get some rebounds. You're going to get those opportunities. I think that's important. Joe Yurden, uh, Bleacher Report. Amherst back home tomorrow night for game six. So uh, another kind of thing we could talk about the lineup, Seth Apert going back to, I don't want to say the bread and butter, but something that worked. That was dressing seven defensemen, not going mm-hmm. with four full lines. And we talked about this earlier with Don Stevens and others. Like, look, way back in the day, you didn't like your fourth line was hardly ever out there. It wasn't a thing. But now most teams will roll uh, the four lines. Why the seven defensemen? Uh, it, is it kind of a sign that Seth realizes, hey, against this Hershey team, we got to be a little more physical? I think that's part of it. Um, I, I think it, it helps. I think it helps kind of space things out with their defensemen as well. Um, and you know, I, I I have to you know, I, part of me thinks that having a guy like Mitch Elliott, who's um, who's done pretty well on defense, and he's been pretty. I mean, when he's jumped up up, up front, sometimes too, he's been pretty. He's been pretty helpful. I remember. I think it was. I forget it was the Syracuse or the Toronto series where he where he was playing a little bit of a uh, forward up front where you know he was able to really handle handle his business and, and take care of things. He did very well, so I, I think there's I think there's a big part of that. I know Austin Strand got back in last night, which I you know I've been kind of wondering where he's been. You know, NHL experienced defenseman. You know what's you know what's going on there, but 
Um, but, you know, having some more physical pushback on these guys is good. I know that the thing every, every coach wants to do is they want to play their game. You know, they don't want to play the opponent's game. They want to play their game and force the opponent to do things different. But you can only run up against the wall so many times and, and think like, no, we're, we're going to break them down. We're going we're gonna to get them to play our, our speed game. That ain't happening. They, Hershey tried to do it in game one, failed miserably, and it's been different ever since. So making things a little bit tougher, being a little bit more physical. Now, granted, they're not going out of their way to make big hits or, or you, know, you know, trying to shake things up or, or do things different that way. They're not. But you need some guys that can kind of weather through that and, you know, make sure to, you know, to you know, the, the classic take a hit to make a play. And I think that's that's a big part of it. And, you know, I, I think giving being able to rotate some of your defensemen out, given face off situations and um, and, you know, and, and what you need in certain areas. But I think that's I think that's a good thing to, to try to do with the, with this group, especially with Hershey, because they are so veteran. They are so physical. They are so tough and they're, they're very disciplined as well. Uh, with their system. So uh, being able to, to, to roll a little bit deeper with your defensemen and then kind of keep your forward bench a little bit shorter, too. I don't think that's a bad idea. Joe, the uh, Amherst are undefeated in elimination games so far this postseason. They look to move to 5-0 and with uh, tomorrow night's game at Blue Cross Arena. You're doing a great job covering them, covering the Buffalo Sabres as well. Yeah, I wanted to get your take uh, on uh, the story today of the Penguins hiring Kyle Dubas as the president of Hockey Ops. Does that make it more of a long shot that uh, somebody from Buffalo will be going? I would have to think that uh, he'll want to bring in one of his guys, uh, Dubas, uh, to fill out uh, the GM, everything else that's needed there. Yeah, I, I think the Sabres can breathe a little sigh of relief uh, with Dubas settling settling in in Pittsburgh because Kyle's got his guys. Um, I, I, I think there's, uh, you know, he, he's got his he's got his group of people that he trusts that he likes, uh, and he's a very big advanced stat you know, uh, person like he, he likes having those people. He's got a, he had a huge group in Toronto that, that he worked with there. I don't know how many of them will be sticking around up there, but I have to imagine that anybody who isn't might, might find their way to Pittsburgh or to Scranton really quick. Um, that's not to say, uh, that maybe, you know, maybe somebody, I don't know. I, I think there are relationships within the Sabres organization that I think if one got one of those guys went, then somebody else probably would have gone with them. I don't, I don't see that happening right now. I think that's that's a good thing for for Buffalo because honestly, the group, they, the people they've got working for them right now, working out pretty well. Um, so I, I think that that's a good thing for Buffalo. I, I think for Pittsburgh, though, I'm, this is really interesting for me for Pittsburgh because they, you know, when they hired Burke and they hired Hextall. They were like, well, we don't need these smarty pant guys in here anymore. And one of those smarty pant guys, a couple of those smarty pant guys were Jason Carmano and Sam Ventura, yeah. who are both with the Sabres now. You know, Mark Carmanos is running the Emmerich. So, um, you know, they're going back to that, that you know, uh, information-based sort of uh, way of, of, of developing a team and picking a team out. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they set those things up. But, yeah, I mean, Kyle – Kyle's got his guys. I mean, and you know, listen, Kyle's got a good enough reputation that if somebody wants to bring, he wants to bring somebody in, they're going to be listening and they might want to do it too. And, you know, let's face it. If you're, if it's Pittsburgh and you got to, you're starting off with Crosby, Malkin and, and Latang and granted they're older, they're in the mid thirties. I get it. Uh, that's a, that's a decent way to to try to ease your way into uh, ease your way into a career, having those guys to, to build around. 
He's worth the follow on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. And Joe, appreciate the time as always. We'll look forward to your coverage uh, at Bleacher Report as well. And uh, I'll look for you at the arena tomorrow. Hopefully we get the chance to hang out. Yeah, be nice. Be nice. I'll be there. Uh, probably be there in the afternoon, I think. Uh, we'll, 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 see. we'll see how sweaty I am by the time I get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. Appreciate it. See you tomorrow night. Thanks, guys. Joe Yurden, Bleacher Report, covering the Amherst, covering the Buffalo Sabres, joining us here in the Sports Bar. Andrew writing, and you can always write to us at the Fan Rochester. Could McElrath potentially face any kind of suspension if the AHL actually looked at that hit again? Well, the answer is yes, you could. Okay, you don't have to have, uh, you could face discipline even though there wasn't a call on the ice. But I turn around and would ask the question because it's one of those plays danger where. You can logically say, all right, there's a penalty. But from the angle I see, and it's the only one I, I'm sure they have other angles of this, it's from the back end and it's way down. And I don't get a real clean look at it. I don't know if that's enough to go off of. Right. And ultimately, they might just say, you know what it is? It's playoff hockey. And they call things differently with the intensity level ratcheted up, whether you like it or not. When games are in overtime, is in, there's just different rules that are kind of unwritten in terms of how these games get called. They'll let them play through these hits, but not these hits. They'll blow a call here, make up for it later. I mean, you see it all the time if you watch closely. Again, that's why I say... You could be mad at the officials for missing a call. You can complain about the officials not being good at their job. Do not blame the officials for the outcome of the game because it's not that's they're not they're not the ones. That's big loser move. Big loser energy around that. Don't do it. Uh, that that was uh, when I saw that hit. I was like, did his helmet just go th- up section up into the middle of the section behind the glass? What the hell? ridiculous that McElrath is a monster out there just a monster well he's gonna have a target on his back Friday with the Emmerich fan base I'll tell you that uh looking forward to that that's tomorrow night you'll be able to hear the action here on the fan Rochester your proud home of Rochester Americans hockey next some news and notes from around the NFL to get to we'll sprinkle in some appetizers yeah the bills continue to massage the 90-man roster as they bring in somebody with a little bit of experience we will explain a couple other tryouts here today on Tom Brady has spoken we shall listen. All right. That's uh, on the way next here in the sports bar. It's Danger and Bataglia on the fan. It is almost time to crown an NBA champ. FanDuel wants you to be a part of the excitement. It's Mike Danger for FanDuel Sportsbook, the official partner of 95.7 The Fan. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Love betting on FanDuel. And you heard my pick for for tonight's action in the NBA. I do like Denver, minus nine uh, against the Miami Heat as uh, they start that series there a mile high. Nine times. Great promotions every day. It's safe, it's secure, and you can get paid instantly inside that free-to-download FanDuel Sportsbook app. No better place to bet all the finals action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash Mike and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash Mike. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and physically present 
present in New York. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.